Vint is the first fully transparent wine investment platform genuinely accessible to everyone. For less than $100, you can own SEC-qualified shares of the best wines in the world. The Vint Wine Investment Podcast offers up-to-date information on the world of wine and investing, as well as current perspectives on our collections and the wine markets in general. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Vint Wine Investment Podcast. My name is Billy Galenko, and I'm the head of wine here at Vint. I hope everyone had a great holiday. I know I did. Uh, We took a week off from this podcast. In that time, I spent some time with family and was able to travel over to Austria. Um, It was a great time, and we were lucky enough to avoid any Omicron outbreaks. Um, First, before diving into this week's episodes, I kind of want to touch on, you know, a couple highlight wines over the break. Um, the first is more in line with what you might find in one of our collections. It was a Krug bottle of Krug, non-vintage, um, 168. Um, basically this wine is, as all Krug wines are, um, a compilation of many, many base wines. Um, this one had the oldest wines dating back into the nineties. Um, and it was amazing, just beautifully complex, lots of depth, um, a great wine overall. The second one that was one of my favorites was um, a Zierfandler. Um, this is a very rare, I guess, not widely grown grape at all in Austria. Uh, it's an Austrian varietal, not really grown outside of the country. Um, we had this as part of a pairing menu in Vienna, and it was just a really interesting herbal, herbaceous kind of spicy expression that was paired with um, a nice kind of vinegar driven salad um it it was very interesting and um very herbaceous kind of just like drinking a a little glass of herbs um but yeah those were my wine highlights um on the vint side of things i think the highlight of the holiday season was definitely our petrusmus um our surprise collection of petrus that dropped on christmas day uh, this was really exciting. It was hard to keep it a secret for, you know, as long as we did. Um, this featured six bottles of Petrus 2015. Uh, we had 500 shares, sold out in less than an hour. Uh, it was really exciting when you're really happy to be able to offer it to our investors. Um, you know, for those of you that weren't able to get into this drop, don't worry. We'll have more, you know, small surprise drops in the future. And we'll certainly have more Petrus down the line. Um, for now, you know, just a couple of highlights on Petrus. Um, you know, it's it was probably the most famous and well-known producer on the right bank of Bordeaux. The wines are now 100% Merlot. Um, they're produced and grown on this very small plot of uh, blue clay located in Pomerol on the right bank over in Bordeaux. Um, what's special about this blue clay is that when it gets wet, it doesn't really, you know, it absorbs water to an extent and then basically expands and doesn't let any more water get into the ground. And this is basically, number one, seals off the kind of the clay from evaporation, um, which allows the, you know, the vines to have some water for the whole year long. But it also um, makes it really hard for the vines roots to grow down, which causes the vines to struggle and really focus on improving the quality of the grapes and um, root growth rather than focusing on, you know, canopy 
uh, growth, including like leaves or extending the vines out there. So it really helps concentrate the flavors and quality in the wines or in the grapes themselves. Uh, the 2015 vintage was a solid vintage, um, ranked highest um, in the past 10 vintages. Uh, it was up there with some of the stars um, from the past 10 years, including the well-known 2018. Um, and yeah, we were just really excited to be able to offer it to our investors, and we'll certainly be back with more Petrus. Uh, currently, um, you know, if you missed out on the Patrice collection, have no fear. We still have the Rhone Valley collection live. Um, it is shares are, are still flying faster than, you know, anyone would really expect. So I would definitely hop on as soon as possible. But, uh, again, just to recap the Rhone collection, um, unlike the Patrice, which was really highly rated up in the upper nineties, um, the Rhone collection features multiple hundred point wines um, with, you know, the six coat row tea wines from Gigal's Lala's uh, that features multiple hundred point wines. And then we also have two highly rated wines from Hermitage and then two highly rated wines from Chateauneuf de Pop. Um, if you want more details on those, we talk about them in depth in past episodes, but I highly recommend checking them out and grabbing some shares before they're gone because these, these wines are really, really quality wines, and they're really um, special to me. Um, I'm just a big, big Syrah fan, and I'm also a fan of the wines of Chateauneuf de Pop. So, highly recommend going to check it out and um, grabbing some shares while there's still some left. Now, moving on to our announcement from this week, our next collection. So, we've we've talked about the current collections that are live, a couple of collections that have closed. Um, and now we'll touch on the next collection, which will be a Japanese whiskey collection. Uh, this is exciting. It will be our third whiskey offering um, after bottles of Macallan and a cask of Bowmore. Uh, this is our first Japanese whiskey collection. Um, it will feature 36 bottles from the now closed distillery of Kawizawa. Um, what's special about these 36 bottles is they're part of a series called the 36 Views of Mount Fuji. Um, this series is based off the 36 pieces of art, um, and they're also named 36 Views of Mount Fuji by the artist Hokusai in the 1800s. Uh, basically what, uh, this series represents is a single, a small bottling with the label that has one of each of the pieces of art on. So there's 36 different bottlings. Um, these were released in very small allotments um, over the series of five years. Uh, the whiskey itself was brewed in 1999 and 2000. The Karizawa Distillery is actually closed. It stopped producing um, any whiskey in the year 2000. It was sold, the, the actual property and the equipment. Um, everything was sold by 2011. So... Part of this um, collection that's really special is that this producer is no longer making any whiskey. The second part is that they made this really elaborate series, um, releasing these bottles, 36 different labels, um, and nobody really has a complete set. Um, there, there was one that sold in October a complete set, uh, and currently there are no complete sets on the market that we know of. Um, reasons for this are that you know there could be collectors out there that have their own private complete sets, but it was very difficult 
because each allotment, every time these bottles were released, um, you know, it, it was on an uneven schedule and it was very difficult to get any allocation. So getting an allocation maybe in one drop would be awesome. Multiple drops would be very difficult and having an allotment of the of the whiskeys from every single um, allotment to get all 36 bottles is almost impossible. So we've worked with our suppliers to really gather all of them from perfect provenance. Um, and we know exactly where these whiskeys were over time. And we know basically how we got them. Almost all of them were directly from producer. A couple we had to work um, through different channels. So a couple facts um, just about Kurizawa overall um and then we're going to have more details for you in next week's podcast on japanese whiskey as a whole and you know kind of the rise of japanese whiskey and how it's become an investment grade uh spirit over the past you know 20 years um but a couple facts on karizawa it was founded in 1955 uh the company actually is founded from an organization that had vineyards and they were in the wine business um, it was one of the smallest distilleries in Japan. Um, at one point, they were operating just four stills. Um, but over time, the quality of their whiskey was uh, really renowned and you know, kind of in high demand in Japan. Um, however, Japan, so, so this distillery started in 1955. Um, it gained in popularity, as I mentioned. Uh, Japan had a few downturns in terms of whiskey demand. One was in the 80s. Um, and then demand grew again. And then in the early 2000s, the whiskey kind of industry as a whole in Japan really hit hard times. Um, many many distilleries went bankrupt um, and had to sell off. And that's basically what happened to Karizawa, um, which is interesting because right as these distilleries were mothballing, as they call it, um, they were starting to get really high scores in competitions in Europe and in um in America. So it was interesting because right as the world was taking notice of the quality of Japanese whiskey, they were starting to make less and less whiskey because there wasn't any domestic demand. Um, so like I was saying, Karizawa distilled its last batch in 2000, sold off its property in 2011. And since then, the there were barrels that were remaining as it was closed, and those have been being bottled um, over a series of time, and that is what has gone into the collection we have for you today. Um, a little background just on how uh, in-demand Karizawa is basically one of the most in-demand producers in the world now, just due, one, to the quality, and two, to the fact that um, they are no longer producing whiskey, and then three, to the fact that they produce these series. Um, we'll touch on next episode a little bit more about the different series along with the 36 Views of Mount Fuji. Um, the Karizawa did have the, um, high honor of having the most expensive bottle of single malt sold in the world at one point, um, in March, 2020, uh, a 19th bottle of 1960 Karizawa sold for $437,000. That's just one bottle. Um, unfortunately this was, that record was broke, broken by another Japanese whiskey later in the same year, but um, this just goes to show that there is precedent for these bottles from this producer, uh, single bottles going for immense amounts of money. Um, and it's really exciting to be able to offer a complete set 
that is even um, harder to put together than just a single bottle. So we will be having more information and informational um, assets for you as the week comes on. But we're excited to launch this collection next week, uh, January 12th. It will be launching at 12 noon Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific time. So until next week, when we will share more information, um, have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Cheers. Happy New Year, everybody. Um, Today, we'll do a quick run through of some of the highlights um, from 2021 and a few quick um, company updates. So um, one thing that we like to do as a team and um, Patrick and I have done since we started working on Vint is reflect and see what what has been accomplished Um, and thinking about this time last year, um, we, we didn't have SEC qualification. Patrick had just left his job with Capital One, and I was still working um, my day job. Um, so quite a lot has changed since then. Um, with the launch in May, uh, we have grown from 46,000 invested on the platform to nearly 1.2 million. Uh, we've securitized over 2,000 bottles of wine and spirits. We've had four different types of assets from wine bottles to wine futures to whiskey casks and whiskey bottles. Um, Really happy that we've been able to quickly expand into different asset classes. Um, Our team has grown from two, um, Patrick and myself, now to eight. Um, Really excited and um, proud of the team that we've built thus far. It's one of the things that I'm um, most proud and and happy about over the last um, over the last year. We have four on the tech team and four um, non technical um, members, and we we actually just hired a um, another software engineer, Andrew Leon. Um, really excited to get him up to speed this week and see what he's going to do. Um, expect to see more, uh, more product, um, rollout, new features, uh, in, in the near future. Another stat from this year was our, our fastest sellout was 23 minutes, the Spanish collection. And then right after that was the Petrus Christmas collection, uh, which was, was really cool. Um, for those of you who didn't see or, or missed it on Christmas Day, um, we launched a surprise Petrus collection. We did no marketing. It was just a surprise drop where on noon Christmas Day, we sent out an email, um, Merry Petrusmas, and it, the collection sold out in 45 minutes. Um, it was the, the second f- fastest sellout to date. Um so all around, I think if you asked Patrick and I, um, what would you all have accomplished at the end of 2021, uh, this time last year, I think we we surpassed that. But um, we're not stopping. There's a lot ahead of us, um, a lot of things for us to to accomplish, and a lot of things for us to figure out. So um we appreciate all the support and we think we have a really exciting year ahead of us 
And if you ever have thoughts, comments, questions, feedback, we are, we're here. Feel free to shoot me an email at nick at vint.co or anyone on our team. Uh, we tend to be highly responsive. So um, happy new year. For questions, comments, or feedback on the Vint Wine Investment Podcast, please email us at support at vint.co. To check out our current offerings and to sign up for the Vint platform, find us at www.vint.co. That's www.vint.co. Vint and VV Markets are offering securities pursuant to Regulation A. Our offering circular as amended can be found on the SEC website. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments such as those on the Vint platform are speculative and involve substantial risk to consider before investing. We may provide communication that may contain certain forward-looking statements that are subject to various risks and uncertainties. Information provided in any communications is not legal, business, or tax advice. All prospective investors should consult a legal, tax, or business advisor concerning the subject matter of any communications and any offering.